How's it going, Son of a Ginger listeners? It's your co-host, Mason Moreau here. And today we are reviewing Hunters, created by David Weil and starring Logan Lerman, Al Pacino, and a whole cavalcade of other characters. Have you heard of it? Maybe yes, maybe no. Just so you know, none of us liked it, unfortunately. But before we get into the scathing review, it's time to pop over to a sugar factory who is doing less than sweet. All right, team, the sweetener industry is seeing a real sugar crash, and I need more of a sugar rush stat. We need ideas, and we have not been getting them. If the first thing that comes out of someone's mouth doesn't work, they're fired. Johnson? Well, I just saw a very interesting docuseries on Amazon, and they exposed corn syrup for what it really is, a Nazi lab creation from the 70s. Are you talking about Hunter? Wait, wait, wait. Johnson, please continue. So obviously everyone hates Nazis, so everyone should hate corn syrup, and we need to get the word out there so we can sell more sugar. Yes. Yes! Sounds very sweet, Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone stop. Johnson, you've done it. Now, get me copy for this PSA by the end of the day on my desk in crayon pronto. I don't know why you're still here. Come on, go. go. I'm on it, boss. Welcome back, everybody, to Son of a Ginger. As always, I'm your host, Beth Marcinko, with my co-hosts. I'm Patrick Mitzvah-Baylor. I'm Mason Barbara. And we're here to talk about... Hunters, Nazi hunters specifically. And, you know, we thought this show was going to be really interesting. And boy, were we let down. We had the action, got caught in a lot of its own weeds. This was from Amazon, the same guys that made the boys. And you can really tell that from their marketing. And the gratuitous violence that That too, yeah, (laughs) didn't always fit. Yeah, this was easily the most disappointing show that I've seen this year. And last year, because didn't we start watching this in 2019? No. Really? We didn't? No, this this premiered in February. Oh, it did? Yeah. Damn, it feels like we've been watching it for that long. <laughs> it's May right now. Yeah, those 10 episodes really... Oh, man. Let's hop into the problems that we had with this show. Let's hop in. So, like you said, Patrick, we started watching in February. Why the hell are we choosing to review this now? In May, you know, there's what, only 10 hours of TV to watch. That's not that much, you know, easily finishable in a week. But, oh man, what was tough for me with this show, I've stated on here before, like the meaty drama is sometimes really hard to sit down and watch. It helps watching it with you guys. But I don't know, it was just corny. I didn't mind the corniness, but I could tell you guys got very tired of the corniness very quickly. I would disagree about not liking corniness in general. I think that corniness can be great, can be hilarious, right? But it was like this show wanted to have its cake and eat it too. It wanted to be serious. It wanted to be dramatic and it wanted to be impactful. And wanted to play up the comic book aspect, which what? Like that it totally that entire motif disappeared after probably the fifth or sixth episode you know, in the later episodes where plot points actually became more important, they lost any stylistic vignette that they had played with at the beginning. It was inconsistent and annoying. It was just annoying that they didn't pick a side. Yeah, because they did a multitude of things because, you know, this starts out pretty sad. We see a young guy's grandma get killed and, you know, he has to figure out what happened to her. He gets 
put in this group of Nazi hunters. And it's like, wow, that sounds pretty heavy. But then, you know, in the middle of all this, it's like, well, hey, by the way, let's meet the rest of the cast. And then it does this super stylized bump, bump. I'm the nun. And I'm going to stop you bad guys kind of thing. And like they truly like, I don't know, they don't pick something because they do that. And then they'll do a very dramatic, you know, scene immediately after. And it's just really easy to get disoriented. Right. And so they kind of introduce this stylized comic book like imagery towards the beginning of the series. And if they had played into that more, made it a little bit more Scott Pilgrim esque, it could have been very cool and a newer take on this sort of Nazi hunting narrative where you want to see the Nazis go down, you want to see them defeated, and you get to see them get killed, but you don't get the gratification of seeing the bad guy die because the way that these Nazi hunters go about their business is so graphically violent and torturous and gratuitous in so many instances. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people who would say, well, they're Nazis, who cares? But the way that these violent acts are portrayed in the show is just almost nonsensical. All the violence, a lot of this stuff is done very comically. And in a way, it sort of trivializes the actual evil and the events of the Holocaust and who the Nazis were. And I feel like that was also something I was hoping the show went into was like the way the Nazis were organized, how they had ranks and how they did all of this. But I really think that whoever wrote this, David Weil, I feel like he read a Wikipedia article about the Nazis and then ran with it. Like really all you see about how the Nazis were from the Nazi characters that exist in the show is knowing what the Third Reich is and knowing that they want a Fourth Reich and then knowing that they hated Jews. And then also to a third, much more unpackable point here is that Nazis were sort of drunk with power, right? Which leads me to my other criticism that I said a little bit ago, how they exploit the idea of Nazis being the ultimate bad guy and use it as like a platform to do some very creatively violent things. And that is what I feel ultimately like sort of trivializes the events of the Holocaust in this show, right? Like the Nazi chess, for example, the first episode, right? They make a brilliant chess player, Jewish guy play chess with the star chess player in the camp with real people or whatever, and they have to kill each other. And it's emotional for sure. But knowing that it didn't happen that way, just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's a weird sort of thing where I don't know why Tarantino got away with it. You know what I mean? I like, I don't know why people respecting glorious bastards. And I, maybe it's just because of the like retribution aspect of it, where they, the revisionist history aspect of it. I think of the revisionist history part, like this tries to be inglorious bastards, a little bit of black Klansmen of the kind of like, redo history and truly like, you know, make the heroes win kind of thing with what we know now. But I think that all comes from the writer's background in that he doesn't have that much of a writing background, at least not what we were able to see on IMDb, but he learned a lot of these stories from his Safta in real life. And I think that draws an interesting parallel from, you know, what they mention in the show is just like, we need to keep telling these 
stories of these Nazis as true boogeymen to, you know, make sure people know that these were bad dudes and that they are the truest villains kind of thing. But like, I totally agree. I don't know if over fictionalizing it is the best idea. I know a lot of groups came out against that chess scene that you mentioned because it suggests that it could breed a whole new group of like conspiracy theorists saying that none of this happened and Holocaust deniers. So we don't want any of that. I do think in a certain way, this does compellingly make the viewer, you know, very much understand the Nazis suck. They're by no means redeemable. There we go. Now enjoy the rest of the show kind of thing. And they start that early on. All of this would be acceptable if I felt like the story writer had anything to say with the material. You know what I mean? Like, really, all he says is, I can get very creative with how violent I can make people. Right? That's all he says. He doesn't have any sort of point or analysis of what he's depicting. I think he says the basic point that we cannot forget about the badness of these guys. We cannot forget about history. Doesn't want history to repeat itself. I don't think that he really pays or that the show pays proper respect to survivors. I think that there is this sort of retribution aspect that is attractive, but I don't find that it properly honors the cost and the toll of life that this like very real historical event had. And they talk about the 6 million Jews and they talk about the 11 million conservative estimate of people who died at the hands of the Nazis. But the message is incongruous because of what Mason was saying. I think it's very easy to say, yeah, the Nazis were bad. We know that. Or sane people know that. And it doesn't say anything new. It doesn't do anything stylistically interesting. It's just an interesting concept, but it doesn't get there. It doesn't really get to the heart of the humanity of the people in the story. And I think that that's really what it's like missing. Like it tries and tries with like all of these different characters and their backstories and the deaths they experience in their lives. It really like tries to get you to care, but they don't focus enough on any one or any one story to really drive that home and get me at least to care about these characters or say something compelling. And that Al Pacino, he is, oh, what's this? You've got mail. An email? A sponsor? What? Are you kidding me? Pause the recording. Well, wait a second, guys. Let's hear this out. I think this is our first really real sponsor to, like, contact us. Hit play on it. Let's let's preview it. Let's, let's show it live good. on air. Should we really play this live right now? Who's it from? Uh, sugar, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a good idea for us to just play this without listening to it. Who cares? It's the internet. Hold on, guys. This ad sounds sweet. No? No? Patrick, how much are they paying us? I think it's at the bottom of the body of this email. Oh. Oh, that's a number. Maybe I'll finally be able to afford shoes. But uh -huh. I'm, I'm going to hit play right now. Are you into collecting dumb memorabilia that barely has any value? Or maybe you're one of those people who considers hair gel a weekly expense. If you're either of these things, and you also drink lots of sweet soft drinks, then you may be... Corny. If this is you, then ask yourself, are you also a Nazi? Because the news is in. 
Corn syrup is made by Nazis. A little confused? Let's break it down. So it all starts with this kid named Jonah, and he's a strange Jewish boy, and his Safta gets killed. There's this old man named Meyer who mysteriously shows up at Safta's funeral and tells Jonah about all the times when they were in the Holocaust together, and all of the times where Nazis were very, very, very mean to them. And then all of a sudden, Nazis are in America, and Meyer is the leader of this group of revenge-fueled Nazi hunters who also have a nun, but she's not a nun, and then they have Ted Mosby, who's an actor, and he's got crazy mutton chops, and really smokes a lot of cigarettes, and then they all find out that Nazis are making corn syrup, and the corn syrup has acid in it, and so everyone's going to drink the corn syrup, and it's gonna hurt their insides, and it's hurting your insides right now, and we gotta do everything we can Patrick, to get make it sure turned off right now! I can't find the space bar, I don't know how to stop this syrup. damn thing. Oh my god, it's right in front of your face. There it is. I found it. Well, if you want content that isn't a scam, you should follow us at Son of a Ginger Podcast on Instagram. And if you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. And if you're somewhere where you can leave us a review, like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us five stars and let us know what conspiracies you believe in. We'd love to hear it. I hope they're just a tad tamer. (laughs) Anyway, back to the show. I feel like truly the hunters in this show want to make sure that Nazis don't exist anymore, which is a good thing. But they're not doing anything to consciously keep the history of the events alive with what they're doing. They're not letting these Nazis go to trial so that there can be recorded history of all of their crimes. They're just killing them. They're just getting rid of this treasure trove of information we had about how truly evil these people were because they want revenge, right? Which is not a moral thing to do. Yes, but they do a very good job of depicting why they have to keep this stuff hidden because the system is broken, at least in the show, where, you know, Nazis are hidden away in the American government ranks, which did happen. Operation Paperclip did happen. That's based on fact. The thing of like, well, if the U.S. government is going to like, you know, hide these people and they're not going to answer to their sins, like I, the hunter, I'm going to make sure they do kind of thing. Like that's a motivation that I can very much understand, especially in the events of the last two episodes when they just like denied Millie after she presented all of the information. Right. And I think that if they had made the show more about the government conspiracy and they didn't then tell us that the Nazis created corn syrup. And that's why America is the way it is today. I think at that point, I was just done. Because if they had actually gone into an alternate history of this internal struggle in the government where people are finding Nazis who had infiltrated and were killing them, that would have been way more interesting if they had just like stuck to it. It's the thing where they're not choosing. They're not choosing a story to focus on. They just have all of these characters and they're like, this is what's happening now. This is everything that's happening. I can see this in the Amazon boardroom from a business perspective of saying, let's just throw everything at the wall and seize what sticks with all of our market research and polls that we can do. And then we'll figure out, okay, well, how they set up their things for season two, what we can focus on more and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So basically, they build the Nazis up as this big bad that has really infiltrated the the government. And then you find out that they've basically hatched a plan worthy of Dr. Doofenshmirtz (laughs) from Phineas and Ferb. Essentially, they're just going to put some stuff into a new sweetener and then send it all out. It's a dumb plot from B-movies, right? 
And this movie certainly tries to be a lot like B-movies. It tries to be corny, but then it also tries to embed itself in a very important moment in history. And I feel like that's where it becomes disjointed because it wants to have its cake and eat it too. Like I said, it can't pick a lane like Beth said. It's really copying the homework of Inglorious Bastards. That is for sure. I don't think this is the first time we've really seen this on TV because also Amazon made Man in the High Castle. That's some real revisionist history of what if this kind of thing happened. Right. And according to my dad, that show is amazing. I thought it was okay. I trailed off mid-season one. I've seen the first episode of Man in the High Castle and that's it. And I know immediately why it's better and gets a pass because... It is an alternate history where the Nazis won. They're in a worse world than the one we have today. Then on top of that, it introduces some sort of like alternate timelines, multidimensional thing where a character finds a VHS tape of the U.S. winning the war. Oh, yeah. Right. So there's a whole other sort of scientific aspect to let's bring it back to how it should be. That's why you're rooting for the characters, not because they're going to kill as many people as possible. Yeah, it committed more to the seriousness and gravity of the situation while hunters, they make you want to have a little too much fun. And then it's just a little weird to watch and like really root for like, yeah, pierce them right in the heart. Yeah, let's see it bleed. I don't know if I want to be going through that thought process every episode, but they kind of force you to do that if you really want to root for the main characters. You really have no choice because I ain't rooting for no damn Nazis. That's for sure. Yeah. And Man in the High Castle on top of that also completely understands the like global implication of the Nazis winning and what that would turn the world into. It shows you what territories that the Nazi empire gave Japan, right? San Francisco and like the West Coast Japan gets that, Germany gets everything else in America. Like all of that explanation in Man in the High Castle shows that whoever wrote this had some semblance of an understanding of what the Germans would do if they won the war, right? I mean, at least you should, as again, this is all under Amazon's umbrella. And then on top of that, there's a leadership structure in the show that's compelling. All of these factors at play about how the Nazis are as an organization that make the show very compelling and sort of teach the audience slightly in a very entertaining and done up way how they were as an organization, right? Yeah. Which can be good or bad. Yeah. And I think I came to the show with some background about the Holocaust and about the structure of concentration camps and the structure of the Nazi regime because I studied that. And I think without that, I would have been kind of lost and kind of confused because a lot of times, like with the human chess, I would have thought, well, did this atrocity really happen? Because the Nazis did horrific things that you cannot imagine. And and without the sort of education that I have, it would have compelled me to do some research maybe, but that's just because I'm that kind of person where I would have wanted to know more. But if I was the kind of person who just walked away from the show believing that that was real, I don't know really what I would have thought about the show as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I hope I hope all the viewers are a little bit more media literate, but it's very easy to kind of be lazy and hey, you watch it on TV. Oh yeah, that definitely happened. So I can see like why, especially that scene where it could be dangerous. And we have to wrap up soon, but one last thing, everyone in this fucking show has a stutter and it's <laughs> terrible. Means gravity, right? Not even Al Pacino could have saved this. Yeah. 
But so you talk Al Pacino. He was great to see, but we had two big twists in the last couple of episodes. One of which was that Al Pacino wasn't Meyer at all. He was actually the wolf, the big scary Nazi doctor. And the other big twist is apparently Hitler and Eva Braun are alive in Argentina, plotting something with their clone sons. So with those couple of big twists, and now that we're finishing this episode up, what do you see for season two? Do you sniff a season two? I'm not sure if this got renewed yet, but if it did, what do y'all think is going to happen? Oh, man. If I mean, what other conspiracy theories? Like, did the Nazis shoot JFK? Did they kill Marilyn Monroe? Did they invent disco? Hitler is going to incite the war on terror. Oh. Mm. Or is he going to make the U.S. have to start the war on drugs? Mm-hmm. That could be something. Yep. Then we get into FX's Snowfall. Oh, really? That's our new show? It's been on the air for a while. I've been meaning to watch it. <laughs> I have no idea. Sounds good. It's about how the war on drugs and crack and everything started. I don't oh, know. cool. No, that sounds really interesting. There's I've... so many things to watch and I don't have time. I know. But anyway, what do you think is going to happen on the Amazon network? The way they set it up is that Jonah and the nun, Roxy and Lonnie are all going to Europe now to fight more Nazis, hunt down more Nazis. Surprise, surprise. Harriet the Nun is kind of an interesting character. I mean, is she a triple agent at this point? I can't keep up with that whole aspect for her. Yeah, her character is interesting, but poorly executed, like pretty much all of the ideas in the show. But yeah, I think that'll be the sequel. They'll go to Europe and then who knows if they'll end up in Argentina or if Hitler will go back to Europe and somehow it'll like come to a head in that way if this gets made. I'd really like to see them team up with Millie, the cop. You know, at the end of the 10th episode, a congresswoman comes in and says, I'm trying to form my own team. And if that isn't sequel with a big ass stamp on it, I don't know what is. Right. The cop who had a whole character development that culminates in her just yelling at Logan Lerman to stop. I don't want to think about a sequel because it's just going to make me angry. And you sure as shit don't want to watch season two after watching season one. I hope that with all of my heart, They just realized that bringing back Hitler was a bad idea and just kill him off in the first episode and have Mr. Sideburns take his place. (laughs) That'd be kind of cool. Because I like the idea of more of a Kylo Ren character who's trying so hard to like emulate Hitler for some reason, right? That he ends up being worse than Hitler. Well, I hope not. But yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Again, in the show. Because the whole show relies on the idea that the Nazi is the ideal villain. But what if your actual villain is worse than a Nazi, is like deeply worse than a Nazi? How do you make someone worse than a Nazi? Those are fun questions to explore that I hope they explore in the next one. I think that guy Trevor for sure is a compelling villain. And I would like to see more of him. Like we definitely got the nuggets of his past a little bit with that last episode to where it's like, okay, well, what is really fueling this American that just has a lot of hate in his heart, which is, I think, just an interesting point to be made now in 2020 as, you know, there are still Nazis kind of rampant in the U.S., you know, they are just a little loud, luckily not doing too many crimes. But I think the big takeaway with why the show exists is that there still are Nazis around. I agree that he is a compelling villain and that the show would have just been much better had they not brought Hitler back. But I honestly think that that was maybe their last ditch effort of like, oh, well, this show's a piece of shit anyway. So let's just bring Hitler back. It's in episode 10. Like, theoretically, if an Amazon exec is watching this, figuring out, should we give this a season two? And then they watch that in the last minutes, be like, huh, well, I know who Hitler is. What's he going to do? Bezos, can we wire the money to them? Let's do it, Bezos. Thanks. You know? Well, with that. Yeah, with that, if there's a season two, we might talk about it, but we might 
watch something we actually really enjoy next. Who knows? We have a lot in store for you this season, guys. I will pay you both $5 to ensure that we don't review season two. Okay. And if you want Mason to give you $5 in Monopoly money, you can leave us five stars wherever you're listening right now. And if you're on a platform where you can write us a review like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, please do. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. And please remember to follow us at Son of a Ginger Podcast on Instagram. And with that, I'm Beth Chutzpah Marcinko. I'm Patrick Lachaim Baylor. And I've been Mason Matsubal Moreau. Yeah.